0: Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am. Let's go.
1: Let's go to Paris.
2: I'll tell you what, I've never had the
1: urge to go to Paris, except for after watching this. Because it wasn't all the touristy stuff. This was the West Bank, I think, uh, where the musicians hung out. We are, okay. this is funny. I had in my notes two different places written blue Paris. Okay. Because I
2: I did too. That's not your fault.
1: Okay, so that's so it was Aaron's dyslexia, not mine. Yeah, you told us blue Paris. And and oh, we, I did? Yeah. And then we, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I thought it was my dyslexia. So no, we are doing it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> The 1961 Paris Blues. Mm -hmm. I guess in my head it is Blue Paris, though. Even though everywhere I have it, it's Paris Blues. Wow. Two American jazz musicians enjoy living and playing jazz in Paris. Then they meet two American women on vacation. Particulars, please. Paris
0: Blues was released on September 27th, 1961, directed by Martin Ritt, who also did The Long Hot Summer, HUD, Sounder. Those are all three movies that we've done before. And also The Edge of the City. Remember, he was blacklisted. He worked in the WPA. Then he was with like the actor studio, and he was big into doing socially conscious films. The screenplay. Oh, man. Bunch of people worked on this, and it shows. Screenplay by Jack Scher, who also did additional dialogue on the film Shane and also wrote Love in a Goldfish Bowl. Irene Camp, who did The Beguiled and wrote the story for Love in a Goldfish Bowl. Walter Bernstein, who also did Semi-Tough and Yanks. And that was done off of the adaptation of Lula Rosenfeld. With, and this was all based on a novel by Harold Flender, who also wrote episodes of I Spy and Car 54, Where Are You?
1: <laughs> Car 54, Where Are You? Not a great credit. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: we paid some bills, I, I bet. Uh, exactly. I mean, I've heard of that show before. I don't know why, but I have heard of it. Um, The music is by Washington, D.C.'s own Sir Duke, Duke Ellington, who was an American composer, pianist, and leader of a jazz orchestra from 1923 until his death in 1974. He also did music for Anatomy of a Murder, Assault on a Queen, and Change of Mind. Duke Ellington is one of the all-time great. American musicians.
1: Another reason mm. to love this film.
0: Mm-hmm. the um, mm. Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke, Duke Ellington. That's the Duke he's referring to. The director of photography is Christian Materas. He's a French cinematographer. He also did Grand Illusion, The Milky Way, and The Idiot. We also have the editor is Roger Dwyer, who did Rafifi, Kill, 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 Kill and Triple Cross starring as Ram Bowen Paul Newman he had already done the long hot summer cat on a hot tin roof the young Philadelphians and the hustler he the movie the, the movie that was directly came before this
1: was the hustler so he was in his prime he was 36 at this time Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh.
0: it's Co starring Joanne Woodward as Lillian, she was in The Three Faces of Eve, The Long Hot Summer, and Rachel Rachel, and also Philadelphia, and so many other films. Sydney Portier as Eddie Cook, he was in A Raisin in the Sun, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Uptown Saturday Night, and A Patch of Blue, which we've done recently. Louis Armstrong. AKA Satch, AKA Satchmo, AKA Pops, as Wild Man Moore. He was an American trumpeter and vocalist. He also appeared in Cabin in the Sky, High Society, and Hello Dolly. We have Diane Carroll as Connie Lampson. She was in Carmen Jones, Porgy and Bess, The Five Heartbeats, Eve's Bayou. She's probably most famous for being Julia. On the television series Julia, that was a big deal because she was the first black woman to star on a primetime television series. And then I knew her as Dominique Devereaux on Dynasty. That's right. Mm-hmm. And she was bad in a good way. Uh, Barbara Lodge as Marie Soul. She's a French actress. She was also in The Respectful Whore and Act of Love and Césaire Entou. Oui, oui. French. And Sergei Reggiani as Michael <laughs> Gypsy Divine, who in real life, he's an Italian-French actor who's also in Gates of the Night, Les Miserables, and The Pianist. And those are the particulars.
1: Outstanding. Did you hear that cast? <laughs> Woo. <clears throat>
2: but how, how crazy, like nobody's ever heard of this.
1: How? I
0: think, well, what I've read is it has to do with the screenplay. Because the novel, we'll get into it. They changed.
1: <laughs> they did. Thing. And I have a quote oh. by Sydney Poitier that, mm-hmm. Okay. The movie begins in a jazz club in Paris where Eddie, a sax player, and Ram, wonder if his name was really Ram or if that was, you know, (laughs) a trombonist are playing to a very diverse crowd. Oh, super diverse. Yeah. In 61, same-sex couple in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Eddie enjoys the freedom of not living with the racism he faced in the U.S. Ram is trying to compose an artful piece of music. Then two dames walk into the club. What could go wrong?
0: wrong. So, So well, that's what. Just like, I guess, like more of an overview. So then, like the two of them pair up, and then it's Diane Carroll's character. Um, she's a socially conscious chick that, you know, Sydney Portier's Eddie is like, oh, you're all about it. Cause she's like, Hey, you got to come back. You know, you got to fight the the good fight with me, you know? And he's like, I love being here. They don't like, I get to just be a musician. Like I, I get treated like an actual human being. And then the flip side, Joanne Woodward's character is a divorced mom and She's got two kids back home and she wants Eddie to come back with her. And Eddie's like, but I like being a musician. And I kind of want to keep trying my hand at being a musician. And plus, have you seen my life? And have you seen this face? (laughs) I'm doing pretty
1: well in Paris. So, yes. So PO, excuse me, POC, I said lots. I had too many to count. We
0: have black mm-hmm. men, black women. We had an interracial couple where there was a black man with a a white man with a black woman. We had an Asian man. We had a gay couple. I think I already said that. In a review I read, they said that there were drag queens. My head must have been, you know, scribbling.
1: And we also had cold black leads in the film. So We did. But we could not have a black man... Kiss a white woman, and we could not have Paul Newman with Diane Carroll,
0: although Which that is, is how what it was
1: supposed to be.
0: And how it, well, the whole thing the novel is about Eddie, the novel Eddie's the main character, so Sydney Portier's character is the lead in the novel. Um, Diane Carroll's character, I don't know what her race is because it's supposed to be an interracial romance. Um, I know that her Lillian, that's played by Joanne Woodward, is like a sixty-year-old woman who is roommates with Carol, and the guy that Paul Newman is playing is in Eddie's band, but he's like a a paunchy Jewish fellow. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh no, I think Diane Carroll's character. I think it's supposed to be two black leads, so they were supposed to be the the two main characters. And then they were going And then I think when when they signed up, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and Sydney Poitier and Diane Carroll, then they were gonna have it flipped. So yes. Poitier was gonna be with Joanne Woodward and Newman was gonna be with Diane Carroll. Right. And then the studios and the people that B backed out of it. We
1: said, yeah, we. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The- it's
0: 1961, and when we get to nerd alerts,
1: you'll understand why. So cast well you just said it i mean eddie was supposed to be the lead so
0: i have half of my cast is going to show up in nerd alerts and i think you'll be able to see where that comes into play but for my other cast i had um the cast in france because Mm. i knew from being a little kid about Josephine Baker, Uh that Josephine Baker went over to France because she was treated like a human being. The same with James Baldwin. A bunch of black artists went over to France, um, especially after the two world wars. I found a New York Times article by Norimitsu Onishi called A Racial Awakening in France, where race is a taboo topic. And this was from July 2020. Um, Because this had been brought to my attention in the last World Cup when France won, because there were a lot of black players on France and there were people who were like, oh, that's so great. And the black players were like, yeah, but I mean, okay. But okay, I'll get into it. But that's when it was first on my radar. So... In France, discussions of race and religion are culturally not discussed in favor of ele- elevating a colorblind ideal that all people share the same universal rights. So France doesn't even take re- track race on its census. It's illegal to track race. Right, because it's like we are all French. Um, but that idea has fallen short as French society has become more diverse and discrimination remains entrenched. So in the article, this one woman says that because she compared and contrasted to the United States, and she's like two racist societies that manage racism in their own way. Quote, universality could work easily when there weren't too many immigrants or when there were white Catholics. So it's real easy to be colorblind when the majority, like everybody, you're, it's like, oh, we're all French. But when it's easy when, you know, we're all white French. Um France doesn't have any affirmative action because they don't see color. So mm. as a result, some, a lot of times they're saying, you know, like French black French people will uh, get to a certain level and they're the only ones in the room. And um but they can't say anything because it's taboo. It would be, it's like no. So it's kind of like almost gaslighting mm-hmm. the black French that are yeah. there. Um, quote, the only positive images of black people that I saw came from the United States. That was what another person said. So, uh-huh. cause she would, she gave, told a story about being a little kid and watching a television show. And she would always, you know, be very much aware when a black person would come on the screen. And so she remembered being a little kid and there was a little kid program and the white woman was getting burned alive by three black children. And she's just like, this is wrong. And it wasn't until she got older and then started to see shows like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the Cosby show and, you know, stuff like that, that then she was like, oh, wait a second. Um, The U.S. So then the U.S. embassy in Paris began reaching out to ethnic and racial minorities in France after 9-11 because they were like, yo, I know that y'all France, you guys think you're all universal, but are, are you know, terrorist cells, sleeper cells in here plotting and stuff because you think that you're all great. And meanwhile, your immigrant population is living uh, probably a less than ideal life in the lower caste here. What's going on? And the French were not happy about that because they don't want um, French, you know, their French culture to be Americanized. Like, mm-hmm. that's a whole thing with them. Um, so, quote, they were afraid that people in the Ben Ooh, I apologize, Blair, for that. Oops. Anyway, it's the French suburbs would start to be a little more aware mm-hmm. of their situation within French society. Because, you know, the U.S. is coming out, reaching into these groups, talking, you know, affirmative action and like, hey, how what is your life really like? Like, you know, having these uncomfortable conversations that the French are like, no, no, we do not talk about because we are a colorblind society. Um, so then there's that. Then in a 2015 Smithsonian article called Is Paris Still a Haven for Black Americans by Thomas Chatterson Williams? Um, It says this traditional extension of human dignity to black expatriates is not the function of some magical fairness and lack of racism inherent in the French people. Rather, it stems in large part from the interrelated facts of general French anti-Americanism, which often plays out as a contrarian reflex to thumb the nose at crude white American norms. Along with the tendency to encounter American blacks as opposed to their African and Caribbean counterparts. First and foremost, as African, uh, first and foremost, as Americans and not as blacks. But black Americans escape the systematic mistreatment of lower caste in the city. So basically what that's saying is that if a black person goes over to France, they're American. And so they get treated as an American they don't get treated as they get treated. Dif- they would get treated differently if they were an African immigrant or an Islamic person in France, because they see you're American first. And so then that that's kind of also a different thing. So just because yeah. you're treated, you know what I'm saying? Um, And also France has the utmost respect for artists. So if you're a writer a uh, mm. jazz musician or anything, because you are an artist, you are also treated very well. So, yes, you have your nice kimono, man. you'll be treated excellent in France.
1: Well, I'm American, so... <clears throat> Oh, you're white American, because I thought that was
0: kind of also a funny thing that they would treat. They would see a black American, see that they were American and then switch it again to be like, we're going to treat you the opposite of the way that white Americans do. Because fuck America.
1: Hot take. Hilarious. If it weren't for America, they'd all be speaking German. So. <laughs> as I said, every I'm day sure they've they never me, heard that. <laughs> we won the war. Okay.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, but excuse me. Have you had our patisserie?
1: <laughs> it's true. Can your meringue be upside down on your head? <laughs> um, well, I had Eddie. Eddie knew the caste system in America, and he didn't want to go back because he said, I don't push easy anymore. So. He reminded me of Michael Jordan. Like,
2: he just wanted to, like, play jazz and do his thing. He didn't want to take a political stance on anything. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't know. I, and I have, a, that's all, I have a problem with the ending of this movie. Stay the fuck in France. Get her him If she really wants you, she'll move here.
0: Yeah, or, oh, you're, well. just not, or you're just not. Not everyone
2: needs, needs needs uh, you know, battles. He told you. He told you he didn't want to do that. Exactly. Exactly, mm-hmm. and you go fight
0: them. the good fight. Yeah, and I'll be here. Yeah. Battles are fought on many fronts. You know, just because he was in Paris working on his craft, that doesn't mean that he wasn't down for civil rights. Like he was working mm-hmm. to, I mean, what you, you want him to be miserable back in the U.S. or they would both like be a miserable happy soul? If they went back. They, they it, it, yeah. Well, again, nerd alerts, you'll, I'll paint a picture. Okay. Christine,
1: do you have a cast?
2: Uh, No, you got, you cover good. Yeah, I I agree.
1: Okay. So nerd alerts, Erin's going to do hers. I went, I talked about, um, I did research about, um, black people moving to Paris. to France. Okay. Oh, okay. Nerd
0: alerts. 1961. So, we have the first strobogrammatic number since 18... I'm sorry, what? A strobogrammatic number. What the hell is that? Since 1881. It's an upside-down year. So, it's an upside-down number. That if you flip it upside down, it reads it's the same. the same number 1961, 1961. Mm-hmm. 1881
2: was the last one. And the next one will be 6009. <laughs> okay. Good, luck.
0: Good luck with that one if yeah. anybody's still around. Right, you, that's not happening. Somebody will be. Mm, cockroaches. Um, Eisenhower ends diplomatic and consular relations with Cuba. And those were later restored in 2015. On January 17th, 1961, President Eisenhower gives his final State of the Union address. And later that day, at a farewell address, warns of the increasing power of the military-industrial complex. Remember? And we had just mentioned that. Yep, we had. You think old Ike had heard a few things in his travels? He's 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 like, yo, 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 seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, So then JFK, John F. Kennedy is sworn in as the 35th president. That was in January. In April, we had the Bay of Pigs, where Cuban exiles were covertly funded by the United States government to invade Cuba. Spoiler alert, it did not go well. Did not go well. And the military-industrial complex was pissed at Kennedy. Oh, Barb- put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, put it put it on his tab. Barbie gets a new boyfriend when the Ken doll is introduced. Did
1: you guys ever see a Ken doll?
0: Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he seems like he was, like, who is the tab hunter? <laughs> like, you know, very tab hunter, Rock Hudson vibe. Right. <clears throat>
1: a neutered tab, tab hunter.
2: But Minnie Mouse got her first pantsuit. Yes. And Matt Fox News was p- pissed.
0: <laughs> Wait, now it's 2022?
1: Yeah, Fox News yeah. is mad that the
0: that the um M&Ms
1: are... got their makeover too.
2: Yeah, so they um Debuted Minnie Mouse in her new pantsuit designed by Stella McCartney. Oh, and I'm gonna look at it. It's in. blue, she's got a nice little like, um, oh, I like that. Oh, That's you, oh, know. Uh huh. Um, and <laughs> Fox News started, uh, they were just like, oh talking about how the Democrats can't be bothered with real problems. They're, they're so bothered by Minnie Mouse. Like there's all these real problems going on in the world. And instead the Democrats are focusing on Minnie Mouse. They have to have Minnie
1: Mouse wearing a pantsuit. suit. I don't know. And yet it's the Republicans who can't stop talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we were just like, it's cute. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't. I think Minnie Mouse is apolitical. I don't <laughs> think she has an agenda. Candace but I think she's Owens a is, type. like, Candace Owens is pissed yeah. about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, well, I have no time for her. Okay. Judy Garland performs her legendary comeback show at Carnegie Hall. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, that was big time. Yeah, I remember that. All right. Remember what this movie is about. Remember Eddie, and how Eddie's like, I like Paris. Yeah. The, the Freedom Riders began interstate bus mm-hmm. rides to test the new U.S. Supreme Court decision on integration. It didn't go well. Uh, if you were a Freedom Rider, you'd get beat, you'd get arrested, you'd get firebombed, and you might even get murdered. Because that all happened to Freedom Riders. Yeah. And then, uh, here's something I didn't know about but learned. President Kennedy told them to cool off. The Freedom Riders? Yeah. Cool off. Uh, You're being unpatriotic because you're embarrassing the nation at the height of the Cold War. It's simmer down now. Oh, how the Bay many of portraits of Mr. Kennedy are coming off walls right now? Oh, no, he is just... People are just adding onto his list. No wonder yeah. nobody could tell who shot him. <laughs> I mean, imagine... Oh, you, ex- excuse me. I I want to travel on a bus like a human being through states and I'm getting beaten. My best case scenario is I get beat. Oh, right. also there's fire bombings. Also, there's members who have been murdered by the KKK, but you want me to cool off? You, you <laughs> I mean, anyone who's ever told a woman, hey, calm down, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, multiply that by infinity and like are you serious it's 1961 and you're telling like i've been if you know i'm them i'd be like i've been cool since 1619 i've been cooling off so excuse
1: me lieutenant colonel's wife
0: (laughs) yes and then we have so yeah maybe i'm sorry maybe eddie was like hey when i can hop on a bus and treat, be treated like a human being, maybe then I'll come back to America. But until then, I'm going to play jazz in this nice
1: cavern in Paris. Because she tells him things are getting better and they're just going to continue to get better. And I'm going, no, they aren't, Connie. I mean, they're going to get better, but... It, well, yeah. Yeah. But it's still like, okay, it,
0: yeah, it is better. Yes, there are gains made. However, right. I'm going to kill Dr. King and we're going to, yeah. You know, Malcolm X, he's going to get it. They're, they're going to, we're going to get voting rights, but then they're going to come up with other plans and then we're not going to have voting rights. It's, a, oh, what about the police? Oh, they're still going to beat your ass and kill you. It's, <laughs> And get away with it. Yeah, you you know, you know. And then we have the 23rd Amendment to the Constitution is ratified, 1961. And that gave residents of D.C. are allowed to vote in the presidential election. Wow.
1: 1961. And they still don't have states' rights. Ma, don't step on my, why, why are you stepping on my bit?
0: So it gets electors into the Electoral College like it was a state now in 1961. Um, So that's good that it's treated like a state because do you know how many senators are representing residents of the nation's capital in Congress? That would be none because they don't have any. In 2022, Washington, D.C. does not have any senators in the U.S. Senate. Uh, It does, however, have the highest per capita federal income taxes in the U.S. and pays more federal income tax than residents in 22 states. Um, But they have no say in how any of that money is spent because they don't have any representation. So, yes, that is taxation without representation. So I wonder why. And then I looked up, like, who, who, who are the residents of D.C.? So you have 45.4 percent of the residents of D- the District of Columbia are black. And I was like, yes. oh, this is why. That's why they're never getting it, states rights. This, this is why it took till 1961 for members of this district to be able to vote. This is why they don't have senators. Which, can you imagine if if you're a Democrat and you look at the way that things are, those two senators from D.C. would be be pretty handy right about now. So, yeah, it's 45.4 percent black, 42.5 percent white, which also includes a portion of that 5.2 percent Hispanic white. So it's pretty you know, it's broken down because you have like the white non-Hispanic origin Mm -hmm. and then you have the white Hispanic origin. And so like 5% of that, I thought that was interesting. And you have 4% Asian. So Mm -hmm. that is cast. Yes. Yes. And we have the top five films. The Absent-Minded Professor was number five. Number four was The Parent Trap. Number three was El Cid which I think we're going to have to do because it stars Charlton Heston and Sophia Loren. And I'm like, oh, Sophia Loren in 1961? Hmm. Might, be, might be a little too hot. Yeah. The Guns of Navarone was number two, which we've done. And the number one box office film of 1961 was West Side Story. Wow. Mm -hmm. See how things come back around. Well, it was not the number one box office movie of 2021. I'll tell you that. The Oscar nominations for Best Picture, you have Judgment at Nuremberg, The Hustler, Guns of Navarone, Fanny, and the winner, West Side Story. Mm -hmm. And those are my nerd alerts.
1: Christine, do you have nerd alerts? I had
0: one more that's like
2: your nerd alerts. Did you read about the Algerian
0: massacre of Paris of 1961? No. Yeah, there was like a lot going on with colonial issues in Africa in 1961.
2: Yeah, and I... Well, the Algerian War was going on. And... So uh, there's something to do with Algeria and France. And there was a curfew put in place in Paris where four Algerians, I believe. Don't quote me on a lot of this. I didn't have time to do a ton mm-hmm. and ton of research before once I learned about it. But on October 17th, 1961, uh, about 30,000 Algerians uh, went to the streets in Paris in a peaceful protest against a curfew. Um, they've been calling for independence it, and it was seven years into the war against French rule in North Africa. Um, so they basically there were the massacre. It was a massacre. They were, and it was called onto the police. So the police killed at least 100 protesters Um some of whom were thrown into the river, making it one of the darkest days of colonial history in France. But basically they covered it up and they, there was censorship in the news. And so like, there were all these, they were pulling out like bloody bodies from the water. Cause they were just killing Jeez. these people and throwing them. In, and the, the police were killing the people throwing them in the water. So they're pulling them out. They're printing out, pulling out their like um just all these people. And they weren't allowing the news to cover it and to take like pictures of the things. So some had their this is a quote, there were a lot of bodies, some with skulls crushed, other with shotgun wounds. Um, and then the one of the only photos that captured kind of what was going on, there was graffiti on a section of the river embarkment saying, Here we drown the Algerians. Ooh. Um and so The precise number has never been confirmed, but some historians believe that between 200 and 300 Algerians died that day. A total of 110 bodies washed up the banks of the river over the following days and weeks. Um, Some were killed and dumped into the river while others were just injured and fell down there and drowned. Um, But it talks about, you know, It's it's just like you know you talk in one hand we talk about oh you don't have racism in Paris and or in France but on the other hand you have things like this happening.
0: Um, Well, yeah, because they didn't they didn't see their color they didn't kill them because they were black they killed them because they were Algerian and that's what their line will be but it's like it's cast it's all based on the how did they know they were Algerian exactly
1: exactly
0: were there light skinned Algerians that were white passing that they had to pull out of the river.
2: Uh, but then for several decades, they only had the official death toll listed as three.
1: Wow.
2: Um. So, yeah, that's the Paris massacre of 1961.
1: Wow. And then my research says... That France has historically been a haven for Mm African-Americans, declaring itself colorblind, a colorblind society since the abolition of slavery in 1794 in France. Yeah. So it was African-Americans, but not, you know don't come straight from africa over here well and it it's all
0: like to because of the it's the same thing that like russia does where you know and that that and that's part of like the red scare was like oh, well, we don't see color and we would treat these uh-huh. black people like they are. But meanwhile, it's like, well, how many black people do you have in Russia? And really, would you? And so then, you know, somebody famous and esteemed would go over there. They would be treated well because oh, it's sure. like, well, no, we're not like our America. And that's like what the French are doing. They're like, ha ha, no, we are not like you. ha. Ah. But then, you know, meanwhile, there like there's nothing to see here. Those are just Algerians. It's not a color thing, obviously. We're universal. We don't see color.
1: Well, <clears throat> the first thing that prompted um, African-Americans to go to France was the uh, Louisiana Purchase in the 1800s. Um, it, the Fr- it was a French territory that, that was sold back to America. And so freed slaves at that time moved to France. And um, like 50,000 freed slaves were able to do that because they were freed because it was a French territory. But then it became an American territory. So they weren't going to be free anymore. So they zip-zapped over there. Then we had World War One. And there was the song, How You Gonna Keep Him Down oh, on the Farm, after we've seen Paris. Yeah, but Bob, to to piggyback on that, remember Haiti? Haiti
0: became the first yes. country, to, and they threw, and that was France. And look at what France did to Haiti. Yeah. And you know, you think like, oh, it's the poorest nation, but look in, and to why it was poor. It was because of uh, France ex- co- committed extortion to Haiti. Like oh you they put all they the whole reason they're in debt is because they owed money to France for so long because
1: they were so rich and France said wait give us some money
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so the World War One soldiers saw uh, you know living in France was a lot easier than uh, living in the United States then uh, World War One two hundred thousand African American soldiers were there they were not allowed to be in combat because you don't want to arm them Mm -hmm. they were non-combat and nine tenths of them were from the south and then in june of 1940 Um, They said, hey, we got to get out of the city because there's this dude next door. (laughs) And this is. (laughs) Oh, he don't like black people. (laughs) It's not looking good for me.
0: Man, can you imagine? You got Hitler or you could go back to Jim Crow. Jim Crow or Hitler? Yeah, really.
1: Which one? Which one?
0: Why can't I have nice things?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's my nerd alert. So we are two negative reheatables. Uh, Ram was a dick. (laughs) That's what I first would as well. Ram was a dick. He was so dismissive of the woman who's been cooking for him as well as taking care of other needs of his without asking any questions. Yes, she was probably a decade older. But I mean she had been through the war. So um he was 36 at the time. Yeah, he might he probably wasn't in the war, was he? No, he was in the war. He was in he saw um
0: he was over in the Pacific. He wanted to be a pilot, but when he was in the physical, when Paul Newman was in the physical for the Navy pilots, that's when they discovered that
1: Paul Newman literally was colorblind colorblind. he couldn't see his own baby blue you know what maybe that's why he was so um like uh, didn't seem to be phased by his gorgeousness because he couldn't see those uh those paul hollywood eyes coming out
0: so he was a radio operator and he was over there and like some of the people in his unit and stuff died in, you know, Okinawa. Like like he was involved oh, okay. in, Like, I mean, we're lucky we got Paul Newman. He very yeah. easily could have died in World War II. He didn't have any like co- sort of cushy gig. Wait, and, he didn't have bone spurs? No, he and he wasn't like a Hollywood star. So he wasn't, you know, yeah. I mean, he was, Wow. he was
1: in the shit. Well, thank you for your service, Paul Newman. And Who Wikipedia
0: was... has a picture of uh, Navy Paul Newman.
1: And... Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, oh, man, that made me forget what I was going to mm-hmm. say.
0: <laughs> it will. It's not as good as uh, March on Washington bearded Paul Newman. But... Oh, with
1: the sunglasses. Oh. Okay, so he was in this shit. Okay. I really thought that that cocaine was heroin. I mean, I jazz did too. musicians are known for partaking in heroin. So I, I really... Was,
0: I was going to ask you about that, Ma, since you are the expert on this podcast, I'm just assuming. On heroin, the, our resident heroin expert. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, we does
1: cocaine...
0: Can say that because I am not a heroin expert? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's mescaline. But um, I just was wondering, like, what... It seemed like, like cocaine does that to you? I thought that was very
1: heroiny.
0: It was of him. very
1: heroiny. Like the yeah. Okay. From my understanding. <laughs> we kid, he, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> bitch um and uh Paul Newman's rudeness. I mean he was he was he was a dick. Excuse me, it was Ram. Let's not like, put that all on Paul. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go look up his uh, Navy, did you say? On Wikipedia, it's his, they have a picture of his Navy picture. Okay, you guys go on with your negatives.
0: What are your negatives, Teeny? Why don't we just call French onion
2: soup, onion soup? Oh.
1: They called it
2: onion soup in the movie. They were like, let's go get some onion soup. Because they were in France. And then, then they went and ate the onion soup, and it was, like, cheesy. <sighs> yes. And it was clearly French onion soup. Right. But like what other onions like there's no other onion soup.
1: You know there's there's um somebody in our family who will only talk about tomato ketchup. Like I say is there eggplant ketchup? Is there radish ketchup? There's only tomato ketchup. And yet he has yeah. to say tomato ketchup each time. But maybe
0: maybe, maybe we're being a little bit like western you know, like being like Western ignorance. Like maybe there's in the different cultures
1: they have different onion soups. And it might be. And it wouldn't have the Gruyere cheese. Yeah. Because that's so French. And the French bread sliced in there. Oh
0: man, Mm -hmm. now I want
1: some French onion soup!
0: Or I guess you want onion soup.
1: Yeah.
2: Um... Yeah, the him food shaming her all the time when he, like he wouldn't let her eat. Ram didn't let her, what's her name, eat?
0: Oh, yeah. They, oh, I think uh,
2: she just saw him in the Navy.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, Lillian, because I like, Lillian was like, oh, I can eat. I can put it away. Yeah.
2: It, it and then like, when she was eating an apple and he took the apple out of her hand and threw it into the water. Yeah, he's a dick. Um, stilettos on those brick roads.
1: How agreed that is a twisted ankle waiting to happen? You How? can catch me in some tennis shoes. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Eddie threatening to p- belt what was her name?
1: What Millian? was her name? the older woman? No. Oh, the older woman, No,
2: Eddie's gal.
1: Oh, Diane Kira Car- uh, Connie. Connie,
2: yeah, he threatened to belt her.
0: He was like, "He threatened cool. to belt
1: her. He did." Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, that's. Aaron, I'm um, not seeing the picture. I'm sorry, but I'm not seeing. Well, the you're picture.
0: looking it up on your phone. I looked it up when I was on. Okay. You need to like change your view to desktop view, probably. Okay. But... Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, I I I can wait and do that. Um.
2: Bitch moved to Paris is what I wrote. Yes. And then I think that's my LVP, so I'll change that. Those are my negatives.
0: I have <laughs> this is a negative, but it could be a positive as well. I just didn't know where to put it. The names of Paul Newman's characters. So here you have Ram. He was a brick, a Luke, a butch, a doc, and a reg. <laughs> Wasn't he also a HUD?
2: <laughs> Yeah. And what was his full name in this movie? Uh, Ram. Um, Bo- I just have Ram
0: Bowen. Bowen. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Bad. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. The the racial. It's a racial slur. <laughs> gypsy. So the yes, guy, sure. the guitarist. You call him Gypsy. That's a racial slur for the Roma people. I didn't know where the term gypsy came from. I watched a little video on the history of the Roma people, and wow, their persecution runs deep. Yeah, it does. You got enslavement, you got the Holocaust, and like it just keeps repeating over and over again. It's wild. So way, 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 way back, they came from... Yeah, now she saw it. They came from India, but the reason that they were referred to as gypsies was because people thought they came from Egypt. And they never came from Egypt. So don't they're Roma, the Roma people. Um the poor people who lived under that apartment where they had the house party. Could you imagine? I know and i would have to say that most people because you look at the cast you look at who's in it who did the music all of this stuff and you're like why have i never heard of this why isn't this movie available what's up and you watch it and you're kind of like man this this could have been so much better most of the reviews i read said that they pointed to the script as the reason so those I are. My a
2: problem with that because i liked it but i guess i'll get into that yes <laughs> We
0: will get into it more. Are are you back with us, Ma? Because you looks like you found the picture.
1: Oh <laughs> a little
0: I vacation with I humans. did. I
1: needed I needed a moment. Uh, wow, he looks so young there. He yeah, was, was young. He was probably like 19 or something. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, I have a I have a positive and negative readable. Mm-hmm. The old ID bracelet for men.
0: That's what. That's what. That's what he was wearing. Because I have that in my positive of the bracelet and his peaky ring. Two things I normally am not big into, like guys having. But man, he he just rocked it.
1: <laughs> wow, did you capture a screenshot of the moment? Ma saw. <laughs> yeah, talk about. Lecherous, lecherous. Comes just to mind. Y- y- just <laughs> creepy. Just, yeah, y- y- it's so
0: y- How did you meet you, um, a man who's older than you, who is no
1: longer with us,
0: and yet somehow you it's, meet? It you is him.
1: creepy. It is <laughs> creepy. Oh, but people, my God, that is a photo to walk, look at. Okay. um, <laughs>
2: Yeah. I, I, I gotta send you guys a live photo of when you finally put the picture away. <laughs> when you finally were like this is enough just watch the live photo that i just said
1: <laughs> oh my god it's like you looked at the picture and said that'll do <laughs> <coughs> oh. oh wow too bad we can't put that on our podcast Ooh. oh. oh. <sighs> Okay.
0: <laughs> and that
1: was 5 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I didn't hear a word Christine said. Um <laughs> ID bracelets were a thing in the 60s. It was uh so it was a chunky bracelet. It was supposed to have his name engraved on it and then it had the chain that went around and then if you were going steady with somebody you oh, gave them yeah. your ID oh. bracelet. I never got an ID bracelet. I got close, but I never got an ID bracelet. I like those. I uh, he he wore it and a pinky ring. And the pinky ring. And the
0: the pinky ring. I was like, wow. He kind of looks like Tony Soprano, and then I went to like,
1: Tony Soprano is Paul Newman. No, no, he didn't look anything like Tony Soprano no he didn't look but he just had
0: those vibes I was because that's all I've like those are the only times that I've really seen Ben with like that kind of bracelet and a peaky ring
1: exactly oh okay are we to positives because I totally lost (laughs) I thought that's what your positive was oh that's right it was my introduction into because it was uh, oh because that was uh, negative Paris and and they shot it in Paris. We got to see Paris mm-hmm. on location. Yeah, and we didn't see the Eiffel Tower. Well, I mean, in the background, the Arc de Triomphe, all the stuff. We saw, um, we saw the the little cobblestone streets and lots of baguettes. And so don't
0: you um, think they
1: had fun? Oh,
0: I think that's. I think they had more fun on this film than. Um, Like, they they didn't really care how the film did. Yeah, they were
2: like, oh, okay, I get to go hang out in Paris for a
0: while.
1: Yeah, Sydney Poitier and Diane Carroll got to hang out together. Paul and Joanne had been married three years. Yes. You know how, like, I mentioned that,
0: uh, like, Mm -hmm. um, in Patch of Blue that Diane Carroll and Sidney Poitier were an item?
1: They were both married to other people at this time. Oh, so they—they they had, like, so had a... kind of a Mr. Where. and Mrs. Smith
0: situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, huh. they were—you
0: know—I don't know what their like. Just legally, their divorces didn't come through until after this film. I'm after sure that the once their spouses saw
1: this film, it was like, "Well, I guess this is over." The music, the jazz—I loved the onion soup—I loved. Louis Armstrong mm-hmm. um and the way that Joanne Woodward looked at uh Paul Newman because yeah she was Lillian looking at Ram but she was Joanne Woodward looking at what she was taking home tonight.
2: uh yeah okay I will say I didn't realize they were married uh and I was just like embarrassed by the way she was looking at him.
1: <laughs> well, it was. She had just met him. So, yeah. I mean, you know, but it was had, like, in real life, yeah. They I already were just done embarrassed
0: this. for her character, I guess.
1: Yes, yes. Agreed.
0: I was kind of
1: like, but her character is a
0: divorced mom of two. I was kind of like, get it, girl. You're on vacation. Well, yeah, she
1: get was angry. She
2: wasn't trying to get it, girl. She wasn't trying to. You know that song, get that break, get that and leave. She
0: wasn't trying to do that. She was trying no. to.
1: She was trying to take that brick home. Yeah.
0: Well, she had to shoot her shot. She had to try, you know, you, she had to. She knew that it wasn't going to work out, but she had to at least be like, hey, you should yeah. really come. And then but then he get he got her hopes up. That was the thing. She knew, like, oh, he's not coming. He's gonna do his music. But then he came back and was like, "No, I'm gonna come with you." And then that's what crushed her, because she was like, "Oh my God, I, I did it. I pulled out a miracle." That's Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: that's funny. We were just watching Ted Lasso today, where he said, "We have a saying in America. Do you believe in miracles?" um is it my turn yes ma'am the opening sequence they are Mm -hmm. at the most fun jazz club in the world
0: Uh i had it too how cavernous it was i loved Mm -hmm. it yeah but then adam reminded me uh we went to a jazz
2: club a few years ago It was one of those days we were just had like a really good New York City day. Like we had gone to a museum and to Central Park and we went to a jazz club and it was like kind of underground and small, but it wasn't like everybody's, you know, you don't do that now. Like people don't like dance and stuff like that now. Well, I guess that was just a party because we were sitting there in the jazz club and I had to pee. Oh, And in order to get to the bathroom, I had to walk up and pass the front of the stage.
0: Oh, you do not. So I
2: waited until like the middle of a song, went to the bathroom and then just, oh my God, my anxiety. It was just one of the top worst moments of my life. Just waiting to get, I was like, how am I going to get back to my seat? I don't know. I'm never going to, I'm just going to sit back here. And they, they, some of those jazz songs can go on forever. It's not like a Mm -hmm. quick little song. That's um, true. Now I have a question. When Paul Newman, when Ram and Madame Chicken uh-huh, Stew Lady,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: they were about to kiss, but they did it, and then the train came. Was that because of the haze code, or are we out of the haze code?
1: Sixty-one.
0: The the French lady who was cooking for him. They were like about to kiss.
2: And then there was, like, a train came by and it was, like, a, a little innuendo,
0: I thought. Oh, I think it, no, because the train had Wild had uh, Louis Armstrong's character in it. And I think the reason, I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think the reason that he didn't was because when the train went by, he was like, oh, yeah, wild man's coming. That's his train. I got to go see
1: Oh, him. okay. Well, I made that up in my mind. So that was, like, more, where is his priority? It wasn't yeah, okay. the girl. It was going. Oh,
2: okay, they the didn't actually have sex after. Okay, cool. Um, I wrote on my notes, "lol" at the train after Paul Newman was being sexy. Um, I <laughs> French fashion,
1: mm-hmm. and you know,
2: I especially loved that they made Lillian and Connie. Those are the two girls, right? Mm -hmm. I love that they made them wear the most boring ass clothes. They were like, look Mm -hmm. at these stupid, unfashionable Americans. All the French people, all the French women were like so fashion forward. And they were so basic in that jazz club. Mm -hmm. Um, The overwaxed candles, like the candles they just had in the bottles that had all the wax falling down. That
0: was my favorite part.
2: Remember we would go to restaurants in Germany and I would just love it. Um cigarette
1: cigarette cases. hmm
2: Much better than just carrying a box. Right.
1: Yeah. Cigarette mm-hmm. cases were cool. They just contained cigarettes, but yeah. yeah. Wow. And oh my god, there would have been so much smoke in that cellar jazz club. And not all of it would have been from <gasps> tobacco. Were wacky tobacky? There was a lot of wacky tobacco going on in there.
0: You know what? Um
2: I saw an article on it, or I saw a news story the other day, and they were talking about smoking. I can't remember what it was about, but, you know, you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes, you know? I don't know if that's everywhere, but... Probably not in the South. They were saying that in New York State, only 14% of adults smoke cigarettes.
0: I thought that was very low. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, they've been, they really had made an effort when like there's that whole Philip Morris um, trial and all of that. And that's why you get the, the truth, all those commercials. Those are actually funded by the tobacco industry. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. really did a good job in cutting it down. Plus the fact that in New York, you can't. It's really hard to smoke in places. Like, you can't smoke yeah. in clubs and all these places. So, that really drastically, like, the public service announcements really worked. And then the tobacco companies flipped it into the flavored tobacco. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that
0: kind of, um, they're like, oh, we can get people addicted without having all the secondhand smoke and stuff. And so, that's it's just. It's crazy. Now, i was
2: surprised that it was that
1: low. Yeah, I'm surprised too. Um, in our family, uh, Papa Rich worked was a sharecropper with uh, tobacco. So, tobacco was a was a part of uh, upwardly mobile. Higgins. Well, yeah,
0: because you because it was like sharecropping. Mm-hmm. I think he probably came to that because at one point, like. His father was probably forced to work
1: tobacco. Right, right, right. So, well, and, so it, that is,
2: and if you want to smoke here, yeah, it's $20 a pack.
1: Yeah. Right here
2: wow. South, here it's like 6 $7. Still.
0: I don't even know where, like, how much it is in LA because I've never bought a pack of cigarettes, but they do. Like, they just will keep on taxing it and taxing it uh-huh. and taxing mm-hmm. it so that people will. Quit, or they'll move into the vape pens, the yeah, flavored tobacco. Which,
1: uh, no, that's bad too.
0: Yeah, I smoked the um, touch in
1: college. Yeah, that sounds about right. Salem. Salem. Um, were they menthol? They were menthol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> Not cool. Uh, I mean, cools were. I mean, if you smoked a cool, wow, that was hardcore. <laughs>
0: still menthols. It's funny.
2: (laughs) Um, I am. This is a negative. Okay, so I'm putting it in my positive because of the way that you know sometimes a positive reheatable is just because it's something that is still relevant now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: Mm -hmm. And that is corset tops.
1: Oh, she did that corset. Yeah.
2: They. Oh. Are all the rage right now. Um, My place of business sells one that all the girlies love. They come in asking for it all over TikTok. And it's so ugly. But I'm telling you, when we get it in stock, you sell out in a day.
1: Wow. So are they and just wearing one, of one like the Madonna?
2: Trends, they're wearing them with jeans. Yeah. Well, oh. like you wear... Uh, You wear the corset top with jeans. Like, we put all of our corset shops in the denim shop.
1: Wow. Okay. Erin, you Um, have one?
0: Yeah, I have one to wear under a dress. I wasn't walking
1: around in it with jeans. No. But this is what they're doing. Yeah. Like, I would put a blazer over it or...
0: I don't know. I mean, water are I mean Spanks just seem more comfortable, but and like cinching you know things up.
1: And all birds bra. Yeah. Yes. I got mine on right now. <laughs> Me, Me too, too. As do I. <laughs> uh, I'm never going back, people. Um yeah.
2: but like. It's just one of those trends that you look at and it's like, this is gonna be so bad in a couple of years, and all these and like some of the girls look cute, but like all the girls that are buying them that don't know how to style it, like, oh, it's gonna be so it's I mean, it's oh, so wow. early two thousands. Well, it's just
0: fun. Yeah. yeah. And like keep cycling back. Of course. The thing with the the skinny jeans is that when the skinny jeans people were like, Oh, thank God, skinny jeans are out. Oh. I hated them because I'd have to squeeze into them, and not everybody's made for skinny jeans. And now the new thing is corset tops, but with baggy jeans.
2: Now it's just a big bottom and a tiny top. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: like oh, we
1: love wow. a big
0: bottom and a tiny top.
1: Yeah. Well, mine's a big um, top and a big bottom.
0: Like you can't <laughs> have. I I just need so much more support for. Yeah. I mean, you can see this woman's nipples.
1: Yeah, I mean technically it's a bra. Yeah. It's, it's an undergarment. It's an undergarment. Yeah. And of course, she has her jeans pulled down to her hoo-ha, so because <laughs> mm-hmm. low
0: rise is back too.
1: Hey, I'm finally Erin's a fan of the low rise because like, that is a
0: mid-rise for her. <laughs> no, it's a normal rise for me. I have no torso. I if mm-hmm. you give me mom jeans. Like high waisted jeans, I can tuck my boobs into them. That Don't is need your a bra. bra.
1: That is your just bra. Yeah, the waist that's true. of the
0: jeans. They go all the way up. I'm like, oh, they. I could just not wear a bra. Just have the high waisted. Put a, a paper towel
1: there to catch the boob sweat, and I'm good to go. You definitely need something for the <laughs> boob sweat. Can you imagine what our listeners are thinking right
2: now? <laughs> um, and then and. His name was Ram? Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's right. In his apartment, he
1: uh-huh.
2: had f- French doors, which I was like, did they just call them doors? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I yeah. love French. I know. I love a French door. We have some that would be quite nice if they hadn't been painted over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if it weren't so hard to get the paint off of them, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the elevator in the hotel reminded yeah. me of the chateau elevator, that was fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, at first, I hated Rand, mm-hmm. not me, but he was straight up with her the whole time. He was. He literally told her, you just picked the wrong guy for yeah. what
0: you want. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, Erin, what are your positive reheatables? All right. Mine a lot were the same. I would have to say, like, y'all, Duke Ellington. I put on, mm-hmm. on Spotify, um, this is Duke Ellington playlist yesterday when I was doing my homework for this. And, man, I was like, oh, I like Duke Ellington. Yeah. Huh. This is great. Um, I like, I like how I understood where Connie was coming from. Oh, like, I, hey, I'm about it. I'm about the, I'm about the fight. I think that we should be here. I didn't like her pestering him about because. Agreed. I also got where he was coming from. Um, And he told her. Yeah. He he didn't mince his words. He told her exactly where he was coming from. So, yeah. Yeah, so I did like that. I like that. I guess it would have been cool if they had, like, switched it from the beginning and it was an interracial romance. Mm -hmm. That would have been cool. But then I also like to see two strong black people together in love Mm -hmm. you know i thought that that was cool as well Mm -hmm. um i really liked just hanging out with paul newman and sydney portier exactly and diane carroll who oddly enough of the four of them is really the only musician in those four people she's a legitimate singer and entertainer and yes you know, that's funny what Hollywood did with her. And then also just Joanne Woodward, but I have more on that. She's just spoiled that a bit. So just like, this, yeah, just. This huh? one podcast, I, I
2: briefly, I listened to a couple minutes of this podcast called Big Gross Movies. And they did. I I wish I had listened to more of it, but they did this at the beginning. They were like, we renamed this movie. We'll refer to it as Jazz Bros. <laughs>
1: Jazz Bros. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. And I, when you were, just to bounce off of you, I also, I liked that Eddie was the protagonist in this movie. Because mm-hmm. if they, you know, like, he was the good guy. hmm And Paul Newman was the bad guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, he took care of uh, Lillian. Lillian. When she, you know, had to get on the train alone.
0: Yeah, he was, the, he was the upright one, and he mm-hmm. seemed more sensible. I mean... He, yeah. Yeah. So what are we to next? Quotables. Mm, okay. There are some good
1: ones. I forgot to write them down. I did too. I, I wrote from the beginning and then I didn't because I was just enjoying it. This was eye candy. Come on. Yeah. And and uh, ear candy. Eye candy, yes. Ear candy. Yes. The music is so good. Um, uh, Louis Armstrong says to Ram when he's trying to compose a piece, ain't relaxing to write it, man, only to play it. Mm -hmm. Mm. And Aaron and Adam and Manziel know about that. Um, Why are you apologizing for his rudeness? Was it Diane? I think Diane Carroll said that about Ram. Yeah, because Ram wanted Diane Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was obvious.
0: Yeah. And you know what? That was my good reheatable that I forgot to mention.
1: Like Paul Newman hitting on the black woman. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, well, that. Paul Newman hitting on the first woman. It could have been, you know, just a, a like, well, oh, no, because no, I have the quotable. Her. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He said, your girlfriend is pretty as you are? And she said yes. And she, yeah, she's a white girl. And he said she might be hard to find. All these white girls look alike. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was a good one.
2: Oh, I
1: was like, whoo. <laughs> My heart was a flutter. <laughs> a flutter, I say.
0: And then I have um, when Cindy Poitier is out on the town with Diane Carroll's character. And it's regarding Notre Dame, and he says, "Well, I don't think they moved it because yes. it's behind them." And he and he was so—I mean, I know we're going on and on about Paul Newman, but also Sydney Poitier came—he yes. came, he came yes. with the mm-hmm. heat, like. He did it. Me. I was like, oh wow, man. And you're you know, starring opposite Paul Newman and equally holding your holding own, if your not more, just Indy. being like funny and just all of the Portier charm was on display. Yeah. The nicer of the two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better than bad, because when he's well, that was what Eddie said. To, oh yeah ram because he's composing it and then he's like he didn't love it but he was like it's better than bad and that made eddie like very mad but he's like it's 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 not bad it's better than bad but it's not amazing it's not there yet yeah and then when uh connie says this there isn't a place on earth that isn't hell for somebody some Mm -hmm. race some color some sex exactly and there's and there Sydney Portier had a great one that basically was saying like how he's in France he's not he's not a black cook he's not a black musician he's not a black mm-hmm. saxophone player he's just a saxophone player i had the one
2: that one too but um i don't know who said it but i'm going to start using it somebody just said everything is peaches Everything's peaches.
1: peaches. Erin has been saying, You started that this Christmas. You're a peach. What a peach. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, Wow, you're a peach. Yeah,
0: sometimes I get into old timey lingo yeah. just, just to make myself laugh. Wait, what is it? Everything's peaches? Everything is peaches. Mm,
1: nice.
0: So, are we two LVPs or are there mm-hmm. any more quotes? <clears throat> I am to LVP.
1: Okay. Women. The <gasps> two women, women. Yes. Women thinking that 12 days is long enough for two dudes to pick up their life and move. And she has two kids. She's <laughs> known him 12 days. She's willing to bring him into her home with her kids. No, women. This is a... You're so lucky you got these twelve days. You will remember them the rest of your life.
2: You're always going to talk about that time we both hooked up with these dudes for twelve days in Paris. Exactly, and it's going to be—you're going to be like for the rest of your life to remember those twelve days in Paris—and you're not going to be referring to Paris Hilton's sex tape.
1: No, and exactly. It's going to be great. Exactly. And you're gonna you're gonna move on and have a great life, but you'll always have those memories. Cause if you bring those two dudes back stateside, it's gonna be miserable for everybody. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get them to change their spots, and they don't want to. I had a lot of
2: problems with Ram and his toxic masculinity,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which was an LVP. But I have a problem with Lillian because both of them, actually. But Lillian, she's the one where she was down for Connie to just be by herself while she went home with Paul Newman. Yes. Then it's like you guys are just going to like, you plan this trip together. Connie was like, cool, we're on a girl's trip. We're going to do all these things. And then Lillian was the one like, no, let's hang out with these guys separately. So now you're just like, you know, not even hanging out with each other, not even spending time together. Then when it came, when Paul Newman was like, no, I'm staying here. She just like didn't even talk to Connie to be like, oh, by the way, I'm gonna change my flight and leave earlier. She was just like, Right, right. I'm leaving three days early. And she what you're gonna leave Connie there by herself? Like, yeah, yeah she's got her man, but like then she's gonna have to travel all the way back
1: to the states by herself. And she's a black woman in 1961. Yeah. And you know what? It's unforgivable, except if it's Paul. <laughs> it's all forgiven if it's Paul. So
2: well, Connie, I guess, is mine. Not Connie, I'm sorry, Lillian. Yes.
0: Understood. I Yeah, I didn't really understand the timeline of that because it was like she was going to leave, but then when Lillian comes back in, isn't Connie the one that's on the phone and was making plans to leave with the concierge oh maybe you're right
2: yeah and it then, was it, yeah yes, she was really first and then lily oh you're right well, they both suck exactly They're both stupid like okay so now you break up with your bands. oh yeah you're right lillian was already by herself then so just spend the next three days the three of you together like At going they had to a list it.
1: They hadn't yeah. been to the Louvre. They hadn't been to the Eiffel they Tower. They hadn't climbed the
2: top of the Eiffel
1: Tower. So, yeah, they don't know how to... Or maybe they had. Trip. Well, they did climb the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> but the the actual Eiffel Tower... <laughs> they climbed Paul Newman's Eiffel Tower. Yes, they did. Sidney Poitier's oh, well. Eiffel Tower. That's right. Is there is there another one that needs to be seen in Paris?
0: And we didn't see all of their evenings. We don't know if they all spent them separately. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna I tell me that the four Lillian, of them at no like, time.
2: Lillian, like she, what did she have a key to his apartment already? Like there was one morning yeah. she left and got food and brought it back. I'm like, mm-hmm. go to your hotel room. Yeah, check in with. I just didn't like the way she was like pining over him. And you know, girl, if you really want him, the second you leave and play hard to get. That's when he's going to want you. This whole act you're doing is not going to work.
1: No, exactly. As soon as you said you had two kids, you know, that was deflation, as it were. Well, my LVP is the
0: record producer because he was this white guy. And he was saying how he gave the impression or he said in not so many words How improvisation isn't a serious form of music. And that the cast, Mm -hmm. the cast bells just started going off in my head Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, Ram can do jazz, which who created jazz? Black people, Black Americans and that that isn't a serious art form and Ram wanted to be taken seriously so he wanted to compose music and serious music and this guy was like, "Well, you're not really that good. Uh, like it's not there yet, but you could be there." And basically was slandering improvisation. So I was just like, "You know, what this guy can like get the fuck out of here because of all the money that he's probably making." off of black artists Mm -hmm. and then that guy be thinking about for some reason like the rock and roll hall of fame and how the rock and roll people get mad when like hip-hop artists get into the rock and roll hall of fame and i'm like excuse me but um who invented rock and roll and it was taken from black people and they kicked out of it and then went and had to yet again create a whole the new advanced. art form. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you had jazz, you had rock and roll, and then it went to hip hop. And but it's like, no, you can't be in here. And it's like, bitch, who built this place? Who, you know, who let the put the cornerstone of this whole thing in together? So him representing probably just all of the music industry. I was just like, cast, 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 cast.
1: Mm. Well done. Well, my MVP, we already know, is the cast. Mm. The four of them. Oh, okay. I thought you were just going to go Paul newman <laughs> I know you did. And look, your mother-in-law surprised you. Yeah, yeah, every once in a while, I guess. Um, I mean, the four of them. What a fun. I mean, how yeah. fun to spend an afternoon with the four of them. Mhm um, I agree. I had
2: jazz clubs, yeah yes. the one thing I was listening to was like, oh, nobody wants to go to jazz clubs anymore. And I was like, that's not true. I would love to.
1: I would too. Um, but a true jazz club like that, not like, I mean, they've gotten so um commercialized like, commercialized. He, yes. But
2: yeah, when we were in New Orleans,
1: mm-hmm. there is,
2: we went to a place called the Candlelight Lounge, and it's like a no frills, like it's not like that kind of jazz club. Like it's not fancy. I mean, I guess that wasn't fancy either. It's just your exactly, yeah. They're playing the playing jazz, and you got beer in cans and. There's not, no, no, no frills to it, but you're just there
0: for the music and have mm. a good
2: time. Yes. yes. That sounds nice.
0: I agree. My honorable mention is shirtless Paul Newman, because we do get to see him without his shirt off walking around, which is nice.
1: The, uh, the poster for the movie, I mean, it's not even a photograph. It's like an artist's rendition of a photograph, sort of. A drawing. <laughs> well, the artist would say that's an artist rendition. But yeah, I mean, it's not even like th- that's before abs were a thing. Yeah, he just he just had a nice
0: physique. But um, wow, guys, I hate to do this, my my uh, MVPs, <laughs> Julian, Connie,
1: and Lillian. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I am going to say this. Okay. I looked up reviews of this movie because uh, I was, somebody in 61 had to have called Lillian a slut. Come on. Mm-hmm. She's got yeah. two kids. She goes over, the first man she meets, she jumps into bed with? Because the first man she met Is Paul Newman. I mean, Uh, I don't have
2: a problem with that. I just had a problem with how much she was pining over him.
1: Yeah, I understand. And trying to make him change what he's already told her his life is. But... um, She
0: had to try... Like, I understand. I I completely agree with you guys in all of that. But the way that I read it is that neither of them settled. Like, they both knew, like, what uh they wanted, what their lives were going to be they came in and like with Lillian and Ram, she, he didn't even have eyes for her. Like she had to be the one to come back. She worked. She came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. She was the one that pursued him. And Mm -hmm. I just like it because there's no one that looks like Joan, Joanne Woodward in today, you know, like I was trying to think because, and this is the thing that we, whenever we do her movies it's there's just something about her but she isn't like classically beautiful she's just her hair is only yeah, short yeah. and not styled in uh a- but she's just got this like smile like even like her like her it just all comes together but if you would think about it, you're not. Like, Mm -hmm. you would kind of just pass her by. And that's Mm -hmm. why I kind of like that she, like, had the, in 1961 of being over there and just having the gumption. And she's got, she's a divorcee, and she knows she has two kids at home, and she knows she's in a small town. And yet she's still just, like, just, she's just trying. Like, why not try? She knows that it's probably not going to work out, so why not at least go like if you're not gonna yeah. push all your chips in at this moment to see what happens, why not? You exactly. know, and and I feel like at the end of the day she knew that it wasn't gonna work out, but she just was like, "Hey, I'm just in it." And you Let know me what? What
1: happens? She left him with a great monologue,
0: and she's got a great line, and she has that line about like, "You will never forget me. Exactly. You will be walking around, and exactly. you will like, see? yeah."
1: Because every time he sees a blonde, now he's going to, even if he yeah. was before, now he's going to go, I'm never going to forget her. And mm-hmm. he's probably going to end up finishing writing
0: his composition because of how she haunts the streets of Paris. And You know, it's it's crazy. And then, and I like that she had two kids and she w- went off with her friends. I also like that they're friends, like mm-hmm. the, like, re- in a small town in 1961. Can't okay. you see me and Mrs. Ashton? Yeah, just... Yeah. yeah! Yeah! Um, and then... I... Um... What makes you think that the guy's... Oh, I mean, yes, true. Like, what makes you think that 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 this guy was gonna come back and be happy in a small town? But hmm. she still had to try. I think, like, she knew. And then he kind of came back. And it was kind of, I think, a dick move on his part to even give her hope, because... He And the only reason he did it was because he was told that his composition wasn't that good and his feelings were hurt. And the older French woman had a whole line to Ram at the beginning of like, are you wanting to be with me tonight because you feel good about yourself or because you feel
1: horrible about yourself? Exactly. So that was the
0: kind of guy that he was. And And it doesn't matter as long as you're with me tonight. (laughs) Yes. And then, um, you know, like, because Ram... He even though he was miserable, like he was a nice side star in Paris. Like some people knew who he was, so he had notoriety, but he he wasn't mobbed everywhere that he went. He could walk around the streets. Um, so, you know, he like that wasn't gonna be. And yeah. the thing with Connie is that Connie knew who she was, and she, that's the that's the thing though. I don't. Connie knows who she's going. And I feel like she loves him and stuff, but I think on some level she knew, knows that once she gets home, he's gonna say like, oh, no, it's gonna be a few, it's gonna be a few, and she's just gonna go on and, and about her life. And she had a good time, cause Connie, exactly. like that's the thing, like Connie has her head on her shoulders, and it's yes. 1961, and she's a school teacher, and she's a black woman, and you know that that in her life, she knows that she can't be you know, wasting her time on like, this is, how, this is important to me. I'm about this. If you want to be a part of it, you can come be a part of it. If you don't, then fine. You do you. She yeah. is going to judge you, but you know, that's Connie. And then also and <clears throat> Antini mentioned it in her reheatables. Those two women walked around
1: Paris in heels in yes. cobblestone streets. Yes. They're the MVPs. Yeah. Yes. And those were the stilettos with the with the I mean, the reason that people needed bunion surgery 10 years later, because those pointed toes squished your toes. Did you see it when uh, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward were going back into the club, they were on the street and she actually did twist her ankle. And it uh, like oh. that wasn't scripted. It was just uh, ah, because they were laughing. Ah, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those streets are monsters. Yeah, I don't understand how they do it. Well, so. that I, that's why I didn't have a chance of picking up Paul Newman when I was in Paris. <laughs> you, With but you had Cindy Portier. I, I had Poppy and you in a stroller. So we are to recasting, and I just wasn't even gonna. Why would you? I did. But I did. (laughs) And I even Googled, you know, who... (laughs) So I Googled, who is the new Brad Pitt? Because Brad Pitt has aged himself out of this role.
2: Oh, yeah. I would have hated him. I don't... Yeah.
1: And so, I, I mean, he needed to be gorgeous enough that right away you you want to okay i went with liam helmsworth
0: Mm, you are liam Liam, interesting
1: yeah no, no because chris has aged himself out of this role i feel like so my lily lillian Mm -hmm. i go with lily is lapido nuengo let's okay let's go for it okay so my eddie is john david washington Oh yeah, he's good. Gotta have that personality. Uh-huh. Okay, my ringer is Ian Alexander. Ian Alexander is a transgender actress. Oh, who's, um, the on the O N, which I don't know what that is, but I thought that would bring uh, another touch of interesting to it. So who are, are they playing? Or He or and Alexander playing? is Connie. Oh, so she's playing. Connie. So Connie and Lupito Nuongo are are traveling. Yes. Um, Lee and Helmsworth first meets. Oh no, see, because I changed it so that. Well, no. Okay. okay. So they're both black women. Right. One is transgender. So they're traveling together. So it's. Liam Helmsworth and Lapita Nuingo end up together. John David Washington and Ian Alexander. Ah, okay.
0: I have, as Ram, he hasn't aged out of my heart,
1: I have Chris Helmsworth as Ram. Yeah, he would be like, I mean, that's just smack in your face, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is, cause he's like bulked
0: up because he's like, you know, Thor and has to do all these Marvel movies. But I yeah. just picture, like, um, Ghostbusters, when he was in Ghostbusters and yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Which is, it's so, it's just weird how, like, the Marvel movies have done to the stars. And then as Lillian, I have Grace Gummer, who was in Mr. Death, remember? She was in Mr. Death and Mr. Robot and American Horror Story. Oh, Okay. She is one of Meryl Streep's daughters. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Meryl Streep has three daughters who are all, um, they don't have the last name Streep, but they are all excellent actresses. And it's just, it's crazy. Because she has this one, her, one of her daughters, Mamie, would always show up on The Good Fight and The Good Wife. And then she has Grace. And then I started watching. Who looks very much like Mamie. Yeah, and then I and then if you watch the Gilded Age, her youngest daughter Louisa is in that.
1: Oh wow!
0: And I'm just like wow, Meryl, and kudos to them for you know being out in the acting game with your moms and Meryl Streep. And they I, all look so much alike. They do. It's crazy. Um, and so then for Eddie, I have Yaya Abdul Mateen II because. it's I like him. He was Dr. Manhattan and The Watchmen. And he was in the remake of Candyman. And he was in the new Matrix, the most recent Matrix movie. And then as Connie, I have Danae Benton, who is also in The Gilded Age. And I was like, oh. That.
2: We watched one episode.
0: Yeah, I watched the first episode as well. I and then
1: you.
0: for Wild Man Moore... AKA Louis Anderson. Armstrong.
1: I I mean, oh my God, that was huge. (laughs) Thank God I didn't do that. Louis Armstrong. I have
0: Tracy Morgan because he's actually going to play Louis Armstrong in a biopic. Oh, is he? Yeah. And I'm pretty
1: excited about it. I'm like, I'm rooting for him. Very good. So we're to. Tasty nuggets, and I have one to tell you right now. Wait, but it's tasty oh. titties. Oh, tasty tasty titties. titties. Um, evidently there's going to be a Paul Newman memoir that he wrote. Um, I that I don't know if he was a part. I don't know, but I saw 2022 Paul Newman memoir. Oh, interesting. Well, Joanne Woodward is still with us She's as of this with taping. Us yeah fifty years of marriage I mean wow I'm gonna watch i'm gonna I'm gonna read it I'm gonna read it. I'd rather watch it, but I'm gonna read it. There's a couple of biographies there's was one that came
0: out in the like I think after he died so
1: well, it talks about him and then it talks about him going into racing mm mm-hmm. all right okay. I have the Joanne Woodward. What uh, got pregnant during this, the filming of this movie? I'm not going to say on the set. <laughs> she did. They wow. were they had been married three years. It would it was going to be their second child. They gave birth to a daughter, like about the time that this movie came out was released. Wow. Okay, so this is what Sydney Poitier said. Mhm cold feet maneuvered to have it twisted around the script united artists chickened out and took the spark out of it so originally it was going to be diane carroll paul newman and so that so sydney poitier kind of like he 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 had the whole film on his shoulders. He had to hold it up because Paul Newman was a dick in it. I mean, no, uh, Ram Bowen was a dick in it. So, you know, he had to, to keep it elevated. Originally, I don't know if originally, originally, because, like, it went through many rewrites, Marlon Brando and Marilyn Monroe were going to be in it. As Ram and Lillian? I think so. Huh. And then they went, eh, not so much. Um, so those are my tasty titties. Teeny, do you have uh, any tasty
0: titties? Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> that what the sounds hell? Sounds so weird. It it is. Is. I do have two of them right
2: here. Um, <laughs> brought to you by Allbirds. Um, I yeah. Yeah. I was like, who is playing these instruments? Mm -hmm. Because I know my boy Paul Newman is not playing the trumpet like that.
1: Trombone. Uh,
2: The trombone, I'm sorry, yes. Um, He was coached in playing the trombone by Billy Byers. While the playing on the soundtrack was done by Murray McEachern. Sidney Poitier's tenor sax playing was done by Paul Gonzalez. And the soundtrack was recorded May 1st through the 3rd. 1961
1: at the Reeves Sound Studio in New York City. I am. And say, what? I am gonna say as a as a novice, like I don't know. But I felt like Sidney Poitier's cheeks when he was blowing the trombone looked authentic to me. I don't know what your face I mean, would. They looked really like they wear. were playing them. I thought they looked like really. They did a good job acting. Go so figure. Um,
2: and then Duke Ellington received an Academy Award nomination for Best mm-hmm. Music, Scoring a Musical Picture.
1: I feel yeah. like you should have won. Well, there's
0: a little film that came out called West Side Story, West Side Story that yeah, and pretty, it's pretty much
2: won. Yeah. yeah. Also, I found a good playlist on Spotify called Paris Blues Duke Ellington soundtrack. Oh. Ooh. The soundtrack was pulled from Spotify. It's somebody created it. It's, the soundtrack was pulled from Spotify, so this person just recreated it the best that they could. But
1: right, because everybody's pulling stuff from Spotify after Spotify went with Joe Rogan instead of Neil Young. Yeah,
2: but it is pretty well, funny to, well, see the 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 people, to see the people who are pulling their music like. Yeah, are really gonna kill Spotify
0: if Joni Mitchell? Takes yeah. all our music down. And, and yeah, Neil Young. It,
1: I, like, I, I noticed that myself, but they're making a stand. Yeah. yeah that's that's what that's what boomers do. <laughs> yes, we do.
0: <laughs> oh. Um Yes, but I could just imagine Spotify looking at the numbers between Joe Rogan and Neil Young's streams, and they're just like Yeah. Uh Money. <laughs> What's yeah. your answer?
1: Money. Money.
2: Right. But it's not like they took Neil Young themselves out. Yeah, he he was- just decided to pull his music himself. You know, yeah. they didn't say it's one or the other.
0: <laughs> I also have that Louis Ar- Louis Armstrong was featured on two songs on the soundtrack.
1: Thank you for getting his name right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um this is funny to me, a goof. When Sachmo and his band are in the club, the, the club members are clapping on the first and third beat.
1: I <laughs> see, because having been someone who tried to hand clap on a, uh, on a recording, I'm going, that really sounds like what I would do. Not what they should be doing. Should be doing. funny Because that's a stereotype of... (laughs) white people yeah which is why, why you will never find third. me clapping to jazz you'll never find me <laughs> clapping to music ever again just, if you're gonna clap clap on the
0: two and the four that's usually where the clapping goes yeah people, but when so. you have
1: no rhythm the two and the four means nothing to you but somehow the one and the three means something to you i just knew it was off that's all <laughs> i knew so the term- because if you've ever been in that situation, and you've had like eight musicians look at you like, what the fuck? <laughs> you 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 take that to heart, and you and you you know you're Homer Simpson backing into <laughs> the hedge. <laughs> you just don't want to. Yeah. Bad.
0: I looked up expatriate. Because it's not spelled the way I th- I thought of like X and the a Patriot, you know, like right. the New England Patriots, but it's not. It's spelled E-X-P-A-T-R-I-A-T-E. And that just means a person who lives outside their native country. Expat. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um, Edward Kennedy Ellington's parents were both pianists. And his mother, Daisy, surrounded young Edward with dignified women to teach him elegance and to get his manners on point. And his friends thought that his calm, cool manner and dapper dress made him look like a nobleman and credited his friend Edgar McEntee with the nickname Duke. Uh-huh. And that's why they oh. called him Duke Ellington. Ah. Uh-huh. Um. you already mentioned that. Paul and Joanne mentored a young actress named Allison Janney. What? Yes, they met when Allison Janney was a freshman at Kenyon College, because that's where Paul Newman went
1: to school. That's his alma mater. Because he was born in Ohio. And during on my birth date, can we? Can I have a moment? Yeah, but that's the suburbs of Cleveland. It, it. But it's Ohio. But mean, you're from do Cincinnati. They have? What a. Have have okay. Ohio and my yep, birthday. That's true. I'm saying that's really that's a lot of that's a lot of closeness.
0: But not as close as Allison Janney, who was mentored, and she met him as a freshman and when he was directing a play. And then both Joanne and Paul were like, this kid's got something. And they mentored her in, for wow. her acting. That's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and those are
1: my tasty titties. And Christine has done her tasty titties. I remember somebody saying I have two tasty titties right here. so. <laughs> <I guess I'm- laughs> well... I have to say it was a lovely birthday present. You're welcome. Paris, Jazz, the four of them. It was it was an enjoyable. Uh next week's is gonna be a little longer. I have to say, this is my favorite Paul Newman movie I've seen. Oh. I mean, yeah, I think
2: she, it's only my second
1: or a third. Yeah, because she didn't see HUD and she didn't see I did see HUD she didn't see she, cool and luke yeah the hustler no. um yeah well we i really a lot of them i really enjoyed this one i'm so glad i felt like uh some of the scenes it, with uh, sydney poitier and diane Carroll might have gotten a bit long like but but i didn't i, I really believed them yeah mm-hmm. i enjoyed seeing paris so this one, uh, next week's is going to be about 20 minutes longer. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. It's <laughs> under two hours. Okay. By eight minutes. <laughs> okay. It's got two Barrymore's. Oh, man. A Drew
0: Barrymore.
1: Are we doing Grand Hotel? Easy. And a Joan Crawford. We're back to 32 doing Grand Hotel because we talked about it now. Christine, I looked into the Count of Monte Cristo. Over three hours. Well, so have I you seen that. the book? Yeah, I know. I don't know how you do it in under, but okay. So I thought of our Christine and I'm doing Grand Hotel 1932, one hour, 52 minutes. This was a big remember this is a this movie
0: did very well and it had all the stars of I think MGM Did it win it? The
1: Academy Award? Uh, it I I mean Greta Garbo, a young Joan Crawford, two Barrymores.
0: Well, so
1: yeah. it's not
2: Drew Barrymore. It did win no. Best
0: Picture. Yeah. For 1932. Yeah, it won the Oscar for Best Picture.
1: So, I mean, you know, I I know that right now a negative reheatable is its length, <laughs> but that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah, okay. So that's what we're doing next week. Is Garbo going to smile? <laughs> Probably not. Do Germans ever smile? No. I, there was something about Garbo,
0: and she said that... Um, If they had let her, she could have killed Hitler. She was like, I could have. She could have. In totally Garbo fashion, she was like, they wouldn't have checked me for a gun. I could have done it. Exactly!
1: Because, you know... yeah. Okay. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed Paris Blues or the dyslexic version, Blue Paris. And we hope you enjoyed our four outstanding actors and next week it is Grand Hotel nineteen thirty two. There you go. wow.